0: Hi, welcome to Next in Ed. I'm Joe. And I'm Julie. Julie, how have you been?
1: I'm well, thank you. Yeah. We just recovered from a hurricane in the area. Uh, yeah,
0: good old Sally.
1: Yeah, good old Sally. We didn't have a lot of damage or anything, so we were fortunate.
0: That is good. Yourself? I think a lot of cleanup, mm-hmm. a lot of mess, just to right enough to shake the trees and get right. all the leaves out.
1: Right, and we, we haven't been in the studio uh, for a while, so I'm glad to be back in the studio today. With guest. Yeah, it feels good. Mm-hmm.
0: we have got a great guest today.
1: I'm really excited to meet her in person.
0: Oh, okay. So we'll, we'll get to that right. because I guess you know her virtually.
1: I know her virtually. How about that? Her hologram. No, I'm just That's coming. That, <laughs> that's, that's coming. coming.
0: <laughs> that's, that is a next in ed is the hologram. Yeah. We're, I'm waiting for waiting that Waiting for one. it. Yeah. Well, today we have Dr. Stephanie Hulon, and Dr. Hulon is the director. You ready? Mm-hmm. Sarek.
1: Eric, is Can an I, acronym. It's an acronym
0: and look, I think I remember it. <laughs> South Alabama Regional in-service Center.
2: Yeah Did I get it?
1: Did he get Boom. it?
2: It is a regional in-service center, but it's South Alabama Research and in-service Center. <laughs>
0: Wait, hang on.
2: <laughs> Green. <laughs>
1: there you so go well i may close. have had something to do that i may have said regional myself so oh. i just
0: was remembering what you said and not what the you can
1: blame me you can throw me under the bus for okay. that but right. it's good to learn something
0: well dr Hulon, thank you so much for being with us today we're real excited the, to have the, you the research the research i get that
1: okay. so we'll get to find out what that what they do in the research
0: exactly so, if you don't mind, we like what we like to do with our guests is kind of back up and, and, and let you share your story about how you got into education, and then we'll lead up to where you are now and where you think things are going. So, uh, welcome, and tell us a little bit about your story. How'd you get into education?
2: Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited Yay. to be here. I've never been on a podcast, <laughs> <laughs> oh. and I'm beyond excited. I'm so glad. <laughs> That's so
1: good. So excited to have you.
2: Well, just to let you know a little bit about my career in education, I started as a kindergarten teacher, and when I graduated in 1999, um, that was the only position at the school where I was interviewing, and I really wanted to teach fourth grade because I had done my student teaching in fourth grade, and I loved the grade, and the principal said, just teach kindergarten for one year, and then I'll move you to fourth grade, and so I said, okay, Well, I fell in love with kindergarten. And the reason that I fell in love with that grade is because it's for many of them and their families, it's their first time in school. And you get to be a part of that. Uh, and I just loved that, and so I ended up staying in kindergarten for the rest of my classroom teaching career because I, I just loved it. So I could much. totally
1: see her as a kindergarten well, well, teacher, Joe. Oh, is that what just, you're saying? Yeah, in my <laughs> mind, thinking. I'm
0: thinking now I know why she's so patient with everybody.
1: Oh yes, <laughs> it's kindergarten. That, yeah,
0: I mean you have to be. Yes. A saint, really, I think, to be a kindergarten <laughs> so. teacher. There's, so there's a level of, of sainthood there. And then
1: the kindergarten is there is students and families' first impression of school. And so you have given them just such a vibrant, energetic impression. So uh, they're fortunate to have had you.
2: Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I always felt fortunate to be a part of their family um, because they really, my experience was that they really invited me into their family as well. Um, And so we just, I had room five. And so we just became this little community in room five of parents and siblings and students. And I I love that aspect of classroom teaching. And And that's the way it should be. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, and I think, too, if if you're a good kindergarten teacher, people remember their kindergarten teacher. I remember my kindergarten teacher. And that was, you know, a couple years ago. So Mm -hmm, it makes a huge impression, I think. So there you are, kindergarten teacher. How many years did you do that?
2: Six years. I was a kindergarten teacher. And um, on your... On your note, that uh, you're able to connect with your families. I think one of the things that I love about social media today is that those families are able to connect with you as their child's kindergarten teacher and share with you what their child is doing now and where they're going. And I love that aspect of seeing all of my families through social media. That is Um, definitely a plus. Especially for those
1: who can't actually be in the building with you or come in. Is that what you mean? Like it's just a constant...
2: Connection. Connecting. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And so from kindergarten teacher, (laughs) I had an opportunity to move into administration. So while I was in the classroom, I worked on my master's in educational leadership and had an opportunity to move into administration. And so I moved to Sims Elementary School. Um, And
1: I taught at Sims Elementary School. Did you? I did for seven years.
2: So when did you teach at Sims Elementary School? From 98 to
1: 2005.
2: Okay. Well, then, we must have just missed one another. Wow. Oh, that's <laughs> nuts. That's crazy. Because okay. <laughs> I started in 2005 because my daughter, wow. I was pregnant when I started, and my daughter was born in 2005. So, you know, we sort of mark <laughs> oh, sometimes yes. Yes. our um, career paths by our, our families as well. So. right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. So then I stayed there for two years and loved uh, the community. Um, and really just took some time away from my career because my mother uh, was very ill and uh, it was time for me to give back to my family. And so I took a few years to take care of her and she ended up passing away. But in that time, I had some wonderful professional experiences that were not full time, but I still feel like they taught me some things that I can apply um, to the family field of education as well so one of the things I had an opportunity to do is work for a toy store. <laughs> which that is, sounds fun. I know. That's your,
1: that's your dream job, isn't it, Joe? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, when I retire, yeah. But yeah. well, we can, t- yeah,
0: I'll tell you toy store. I, I got the whole thing in my head.
2: <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Toy store is so, great. <laughs> so you may be wondering, like, what is she talking What are you about talking about? Exactly. <laughs> but it was a, a marketing position that was part-time, but it, brought in how the toys were educational and so that was my role in it is I was an educator and so I worked with the regional marketing specialists to plan these activities that featured the toys and talked about how those toys taught specific subject areas and playing, how play um, was related to those toys and learning. And so it really was a great opportunity for me. That's so neat. Um, Yeah, it really was because I learned about the business industry and really learned some things that I brought into my future uh, work as well.
0: That's something that um, Julie and I were talking about earlier this week was – the fact that sometimes people forget, you know, education is a business, mm-hmm. and and to have some business sense about it is uh, is good to have. I think. Right. And so that that brings a whole new insight for you. You've got the classroom teacher experience, you've got the administrator experience, and now you've mm-hmm. got this business sense and this idea of uh, maybe even some marketing too. I would guess came right. along with that as well.
1: And I think that every every job or every every place you are. Everywhere you've been, you can take something from that and use it in the next step.
2: I completely (laughs) agree with that.
1: (laughs) You can find something, right?
2: I think so, too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's funny that you say that because I always sort of saw my career as an opportunity would open and I would walk through the door. And so... I, I didn't necessarily say, well, this is what I want to do next. I, right. It wasn't necessarily like that for me in my career, um, but I just felt like opportunities opened and I was willing to, to, go, to, through. to go through, yeah, yeah, the door that opened. Um, and when I applied for this position as director of SERIC, one of the things that the search committee asked me to do before a presentation where I was interviewed They asked me to think about all of the positions I've had in my career and how those positions taught me the knowledge and skills that I would need and use in this position. And so at first, right, you're thinking, wow, okay, let's think through all of the positions I've had. Yeah, Yeah, what knowledge and skills did I gain, Mm -hmm. and then how would I apply that in the new position? Well, to me, it was one of the best experiences that I had to reflect on my career and through that process I began to realize like all of these things led me and prepared me for the very next thing which is just what you're talking about yeah that's amazing that really is amazing it's such a
1: great (laughs) reflection though you know to look back on that and see it that way and see that positive aspect out of that that's wonderful
2: I I thought it was a great experience Mm -hmm. and I, I think it helped me I thought I told my husband I said even if I don't receive this position this was a great experience to look back at all of the different positions that I've had and think about the knowledge and skills that I learned from those that I've applied in every job after that right um, which was really helpful right
1: and everyone you've impacted from that I mean you have impacted a lot of people because of that too so
2: yeah
0: so let's let's talk about that you you applied. Obviously, you got the position mm-hmm. as the, the director of CEREC. Tell us, what, what is that? What is CERIC? What does CEREC do?
2: So, just like you started the podcast with the Regional In-Service Center, CERIC is one of 11 Regional In-Service Centers, and they're established by the legislature. And we serve a specific region. So, the region that SERIC serves is Region 10, and we serve 10 public school districts within that region – as well as a charter school within our region. So the areas that we serve, we serve Baldwin County Public Schools, we serve Chickasaw City Schools, Clark County Schools, we serve Thomasville City Schools, Monroe County Schools, (laughs) Washington County Schools, Saraland City, Satsuma City, a Mobile County mm-hmm. Public Schools, uh, Gulf Shore City Schools, and Excel Day and Evening Academy. And so we serve the professional learning needs within those districts. And I think one of the things that I think I learned in my position right before CERIC was what a partnership truly looks like. Um, and it's one of the things that I said in that process of when I came to SARIC, I really wanted to form partnerships with the districts that we work with, and so that's a lot of the work that we try to do is partner with them to offer the professional learning that their teachers need. And so, all of our partnerships may look a little different in each of our districts, but it's it's what they need.
1: That's so important because uh, just listening to another podcast, uh, that everything isn't one size fits all. You're not saying this is what we have, and this is these are your choices. So good luck, right? I mean, you're looking and working with the different.
2: That's exactly right.
1: (laughs) With the different schools and saying, this is what you need. And that is so empowering for teachers, I think.
0: Absolutely.
2: I think so, too.
0: Um, let's, Let's go before the pandemic. What would that kind of PD give us an example of what that might look like?
2: Okay, so before the pandemic, I think of that as just the traditional professional learning model. It's face-to-face where everyone comes together for a specific amount of time. Um, We learn content together, we gain an understanding, and then we apply those things. Now, certainly we know that high-quality professional learning includes that follow-up, includes some support that's job-embedded. So, all of that would also apply in those situations, but all of that is face-to-face. Many times it was at the university, College of Education, and then sometimes it was at the school or district level as well, but still it's face-to-face where everyone comes together at the same time, same space, same date.
0: So, and I I remember a lot of the the PD that would be offered would be during the summer, but I guess you would offer PD year-round, right?
2: Yes, we offer PD year-round, and a lot of times during the fall and spring, those are district partnerships. So some of that professional learning is happening within our districts, where that summer PD is what I consider a PD for all approach, where Mm -hmm. we conduct a needs assessment for our entire region. So we just recently sent out a survey Um, that we shared with all 7,000 of our educators in Region 10, and they responded to that survey, and we analyze that needs assessment, and that's how we determine what we offer. And so that summer is a listing of the professional learning sessions that we offer based on that needs assessment. Where those professional learning sessions within a district are really a partnership, where we work with that specific district to provide the professional learning that they need.
1: So, what you're saying is, like in the summer, any school from the any teacher who's employed with the school in whatever region can come to to them. It doesn't. The, it is not a for a specific school.
2: That's exactly right. Okay,
1: and then during the year, you might partnership with. Gulf Shore City or for Mobile County and just those teachers can come to those PDs or you you, or you go into the school
2: yes Mm -hmm. we do both of those things Um, and then we offer that third layer of that PD for all during the fall and spring as well so for example one of the things that you've worked with us on is our national board program Mm -hmm. So, those sessions are offered year-round, and all teachers are able to attend those. They're that PD for all approach. Yeah, that was an
1: experience. I had never done that before, um, and we're jumping ahead. Like, during pandemic, it was on a Zoom. Yes. Uh, And I expected, oh, about, I don't know, 30 people. (laughs) So, it was all these people from all over South Alabama. I was like, where are these people coming from? It was sort of a, a little bit of a shocker for me. So, <laughs> and,
0: and when you say PD for all, that that includes um, private school as well or just for public, public schools?
2: Uh, our funding is for public school districts in Region 10.
0: Okay. So, and I, I want to say this too, because I, I know probably most of our listeners are – teachers are in the field of education but for those that that maybe are just tuning in to listen to you because they're friends or whatever but um, thinking about teachers are required to maintain their certification through professional development so in the state of Alabama it's every five years you have to renew your certificate and in order to do that you have to have a minimum number of professional development hours and I think Personally, I think the minimum's kind of low, I'm just going to say. I love professional development, mm-hmm. so I, I'm, it's it's pretty easy to get the hours that you need, but but I love that because I think it's it shows a reflection of the intention that we are to be lifelong learners, and and so you can find professional development through CEREC on things that maybe uh, other colleagues were, studi- were working with that year, and, oh, what is that they were doing? I want to learn more about that. Or I want to try something new. What's out there? And just see. I used to love to just look through and go, oh, that sounds interesting. Let me go see what that's all about. You know? And then um, and then also, it's not just the going and attending, but you also seek out teachers to, to provide some of the workshops, right? Yeah.
2: We do. Yes, we actually do. And I think that's one of the, the benefits of offering the professional learning sessions that we do in the summer as well as throughout the year is just what you said. Teachers do have a choice um, in their professional development. And we know that when we have a choice, we're, we're engaged mm-hmm. in the professional learning um, as well. But we do seek out experts in the fields that we're looking for based on that needs assessment and we do allow those uh, teachers or administrators uh, to offer professional learning for us. I think that's
1: great opportunities. Yeah. I think those are great opportunities.
0: One of the things I have found in my new role now at the university working with uh, teachers that are already in the classroom is so many of them have great skills that, that they could share with other teachers but they just don't think that Oh, I couldn't do that. I don't know mm-hmm. enough about that to be. Or able how to put do I on a even shop? How do
1: I get to do that? right? How do I get to do that? You know, okay, so that's a question. Then, if there's a teacher who has something they really want to share, how could they approach you and say, "This is what I'd like to do?" or how would they go about
2: doing that? Yes, we would absolutely <laughs> Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Answer, yes. <laughs> yes, we would absolutely love for them to approach us. Uh Uh, A teacher could email me and Mm -hmm. I will send them information. So we have sort of two approaches to that. One is that we have a Google form that we ask anyone who may be interested in facilitating a professional learning session for us, but maybe they don't have a specific idea about a professional learning session, but they do know their areas of expertise. Mm -hmm. And so maybe they're an expert in STEM or maybe they're an expert in literacy. And so we have a form that we can send them that gives us information about them name uh, contact email contact phone and then it gives them an opportunity to share their areas of expertise and the work that they've done within Mm -hmm. those areas so that way if we do have a professional learning request we go to that forum and we look for experts that's one way another way is that maybe they have a specific idea of a professional learning session and we have a proposal form (laughs) that we can send to them and they would complete the form And then we can work with them if we have a professional learning request Mm -hmm. for that particular session or a session on that topic. Oh, that's
1: amazing. I never knew that. I never knew that.
2: So just email you. Yes. Yes.
0: So we'll make sure we have your email address Mm -hmm. and and link to Sarek in Mm -hmm. the show notes.
2: Yes, please do. Great. I would love that.
0: So let's let's go up to um, March. And boom, the pandemic hits. So all of a sudden... All these teachers are having to teach remotely, and I would say a fraction of them felt somewhat comfortable with the technology (laughs) that they were going to have to start using. And there you are in your position, knowing that you've got all these teachers out there with this enormous need. How did you and Sarek respond when the pandemic hit?
2: You know, I feel like we were really fortunate in the fact that I wanted to dip our toes into virtual professional learning the semester before. And so we actually used the National Board Program as a way to do that. So we had done two things in the fall, not realizing that the pandemic would hit in the spring, Mm -hmm. having no idea, just knowing that we needed to offer another option that allowed Teachers to have some flexibility, um, reduce any travel time because some of our districts have a two hour travel time Mm -hmm. to come to our university. So, really, we dipped our toes into it as, as an option. We wanted to make it available in some situations for teachers to allow for convenience. And so, we offered a training in November and in January, and we used Zoom. And so we sort of began learning some of the features of Zoom, you know, we learned about breakout rooms, we learned how to record the sessions, Uh, we learned a little bit about what high quality online professional learning looks like. So in the fall, we began researching that and learning some specific strategies that we could use in an online professional learning. And then we followed those two up with a Google Classroom where it was self-paced and teachers could work through um, an online professional learning session. So we didn't have a lot of experience, but we had sort of dipped our toes into online professional learning. And so when the pandemic hit in the spring and I realized that schools were going to be closed and we were going to offer virtual learning K through 12, all I knew is that we needed to support our teachers. We needed to help, and that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to help in some way. So I think schools closed in uh, towards the end of March, middle of March, the physical brick-and-mortar buildings, and we moved to virtual. And so we offered two sessions in March. Um, One was for leaders, school leaders, how do we continue building community? And we partnered with uh, one of the professors at the university as well as one of our local leaders, and they presented a session together and then a session on teaching and learning virtually. And they were so well attended, we realized this was a need. Um, we had hundreds of teachers absolutely
1: it <laughs> yes. was exciting to see
2: it was, it was so exciting so those two sessions at the end of March we realized okay this is a need This is teachers are wanting this and so we reached out to our districts and um, shared that if they shared with us um, their academic continuity plans over the next few months we would help and offer sessions that related to the particular tools they would be using over the next few weeks and so Some of our districts were kind enough to do that, and so that's how we began selecting the particular professional learning sessions that we would offer in April. And then what we would do is we would send a follow-up email after those sessions asking the teachers to share with us, what would you like for us to offer next? Mm -hmm. What do you need help in? What do you need support with? And so then we would use that as a guide for our following professional learning sessions as well.
1: Well, it just—it just sounds like you had your finger on the pulse of the urgency of it. I mean, you know, you just—you res- they responded so quickly.
0: Yes, very, very quickly. So quickly, and it was so
1: appreciative, and and it was like the teachers were like, "Hey, we need this because we got to keep doing this, and then to give the survey, you know, and then and get their opinions on it and give them some choice. I think it's really great.
2: And I I think it was great for us because we were able to connect mm-hmm. with them um and with educators that maybe we hadn't connected with before yeah i was going
1: to say do you think you had a lot of participants that were not uh from that had not participated in therapy pd
2: before Absolutely. We served over 2000 educators in a matter of months. So yes, we oh absolutely gosh. think we were able to connect with educators that we had not connected with before. And we are so grateful for that. We're yeah. grateful that they came to us um, and that we were able to help. Because when I think back to that March, I think that was that was the initial thought behind Serik and the college of education and professional studies in the university is that we just wanted to help and that was our way to do that
1: certainly did
0: i you know in the spring it was very different than it is uh, this you know this fall because at that time you know everybody was just scrambling how do we finish out this year what what do we do and there were so many different resources that were available that teachers were just okay, what, what can I learn about and start using? And so some were using Google Classroom and some were using you know, other learning management systems and there was all these different tools. And I, I guess over the course of the summer and then into the fall, things got a little more streamlined uh, for some of the school districts. They said, okay, we're all gonna just focus in and use you know, this particular learning management system and that kind of thing. And, and I just remember you know, in my position um, in instructional technology, it was like all of a sudden, everything I was teaching about was in high demand. I was like, hey, I can talk to people about all kinds of this cool stuff. you know. And um, I would say, so you said you did two sessions in March, but then when April rolled around, you guys were probably doing what, at least three a week, or is it more than that?
2: More than that. Yes. We were offering several sessions mm-hmm. every week and we offered these sessions as one hour sessions. Um, we just found that teachers were able to commit to one hour um, and it, that was really helpful for them and then sometimes we would offer follow-up sessions uh, to Google Classroom or screencasting. Dr. Gatston offered several of those mm-hmm. sessions for us and so teachers were able to come back. That's were able to come back um, and get what they needed at those follow-up sessions yeah. as well. As as
1: one of the teachers that was involved, you know, with the shutdown and then we had to go back home. The one-hour sessions were a godsend. I mean, to, because Aww. I mean, it was really important. We had we still were working all day. We were talking to parents, but we didn't know how to do the technology, and so it was like okay what's Sarek offering now, you know? And so you could just go and you had all these things. Oh, I could take this for an hour. And then people, I had friends calling me and saying, Hey, I just did this session with Sarek. You know, it was only an hour and you need to take this one. It's coming up. You know, it was a lot of networking among each other too. So I'm just saying it was, it was very helpful. It was very impactful.
2: Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. That's, That's, Mm -hmm. that's exactly what we wanted. We wanted to help. We wanted to help our teachers and serve our teachers in the best way that we knew how. Right. And it was,
1: and it really was on the pulse of like Joe doing the screencasting and things that we needed to do to facilitate at home. Yes. And that was really important.
0: That, that's one of the things I, I've thought about is how fortunate we have been as a society that we had the technology to continue on and that we had all of these options to be able to do that. You were able to provide professional development for teachers during this time. Because we had the technology to be able to do that. I mean, you think if this had been 20, 30 years ago, I mean, we would have just been sitting at the house. You know? I mean, there wouldn't have been.
1: School would be there, shut down. Yeah, there
0: wouldn't have been any.
1: Right. And, and think, too, your your foresight or your willingness to dip your toe into the Zoom and try to get more people involved that, that can't come in person uh, certainly turned out to be visionary in a way. <laughs> About yeah, really? that yeah absolutely
0: I, I remember the I think the first session that I did for you guys I got on and there were like 200 people on that yes. thing I, I, I freaked out a little
1: bit I, I did thought. too I was on the national board that's why I said I met Stephanie virtually because I met her doing a, a national board um workshop I guess on the zoom uh, a presentation and uh so I got to meet her there, and there was the same. It was like 150. I was like, I can't answer all these chats over here on the side. Yeah, you have to have
0: somebody <laughs> monitoring the chats. We That's had a good friend
1: monitoring make- on the side. Yes, we did.
2: <laughs> and I think it's things like that we learned along the way as well. You uh, know, we learned that we needed a, a facilitator to monitor the chats and help with technical mm-hmm. aspects so that the Facilitator of the content could deliver the content and, and help the that. teachers. Yes, yes. That's very helpful. Yes, very so exciting.
0: Going back, so since March, you said you have provided PD for about 2,000 teachers or so. And that's probably them taking multiple sessions too, right? Not just, you know, coming in for one thing. Yes. How many, just ballpark, how many sessions do you think you guys have done? Since the pandemic started virtually, how many of those Zoom sessions do you think you've offered?
2: Well, I can tell you how many sessions we've offered total, but I'm not sure of the specific number of how many Zoom sessions Oh, we've yeah, offered. just total. How so many? Things? We've offered about 189 sessions in this year, um, and we've served over 5,000 educators uh, within the year. So I'm not exactly sure of the number of Zoom sessions that we've offered, but all of the um, the spring and the summer, and even now in the fall, have all been virtual. Right. Um, we're still offering virtual professional learning.
0: Wow, it's amazing. Well, let's let's look ahead a little bit. So, had this huge spike in change. Right. This was like the asteroid hitting. <laughs> <And having laughs> yeah, to, kind of yeah like that. Yep. <laughs> where yeah. to go? Where to go from here? Right. So. You, you've gotten really good at doing a virtual PD. I'd say that you've got it down now <laughs> to a science, I would think. Probably should write a book about it. Um, what What do you see coming down the line? What, what do you see next?
2: You know, I think we're going to continue with the virtual professional learning in some aspects. Because I, I do think, even before the pandemic, I think offering that option is important to teachers. Um, I had a small child when I was working in education, so I know what that's like to have to think about child care to attend a summer professional learning session mm-hmm. um, or to attend a national board session in the evening um, when I have a family at home. So I think the convenience of virtual professional learning, it's really helpful to teachers who want to Work on their craft, Mm -hmm. um, which is really when we think about that right at the heart of an educator, we admire that about those teachers that they want to. I think you mentioned earlier that you love professional learning um, because you always want to learn more. And so I I think that's an admirable quality of an educator that they want to learn more. And so I think by allowing that virtual professional learning, it helps be convenient um, for them. But I also think there's value in that face-to-face and that building of relationships and coming together with others. And so, you know, we're not there just yet. Um, we're still offering professional learning. But I, I do think that there will be a, a time where we have a balance of both of those mm-hmm. um, so that people can come together um, and, and see one another face-to-face and interact with one another in person as well as the virtual professional learning. So maybe I think to answer your question, what is next? Maybe it's that idea of choice for educators, that we let them choose the type of professional learning that works for them, um, and it's more personalized Mm -hmm. to meet their needs, um, and that could be professionally meet their needs, but also personally meet their needs as well.
1: Do you see um, a possibility of a blended option for PD? So so let's say it's a science workshop or something like that where they have to do hands-on, but then there's a lot of stuff that could be presented virtually, like just part of it could be hands-on and then face-to-face and then part of it follow-up and, you know, that sort of thing. Because sometimes our days are, you know, you have to get subs and, you know, the days are lo- a long day workshop, you know, it's, And so these bite-sized pieces are really uh, attractive to teachers, I think.
2: I would absolutely agree that these bite-sized pieces Mm -hmm. where we deliver the content, Mm -hmm. share ideas, develop an understanding, I think these are so vital to our professional learning. But I think you're exactly right. That blended approach mm-hmm. can help us bring in what we know is important to high-quality professional learning, right? right? That support, did we apply it? Did it work? <laughs> that reflective piece right. um, of professional learning, how do we know that it worked? That's That student artifact piece. And I think that's where the virtual mm-hmm. professional learning could be really helpful. I um, offering that follow-up and that time of reflection of what we're doing in our practice and how we know that it's having an impact on student achievement. Yeah. And so I absolutely think that blended. I think you would get a
1: good quality feedback from that sort of thing. Yes. You know, to have that follow-up in virtual.
2: Yes, I think that blended approach mm-hmm. um, would be very helpful to offer that high-quality yeah. professional yeah. learning. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think, too, you know, thinking about moving forward, teachers now, because of everything that's happened, are a lot more comfortable with the idea of doing it virtually where maybe before they didn't have the equipment. They had never done a, a video conference before they had no idea. But now because of everything we've been through, if you're, if you're teaching today, you have sat through a zoom session. <laughs> There's just no way around it. You, you have been involved in virtual <laughs> learning in some way Absolutely. or another. Yes. <laughs> so I think that the, that virtual side of it is still going to be strong just because the teacher's, they're comfortable with it. They are they know the value or they see the value in it. And I, I think that's a great idea, Julie, to, to have that kind of uh, blended model. And I'm th- sure you already thought of that, Dr. Yeah. And, but, I that, you know, we'll, and I think we'll that We'll give does, Julie a little – Yes! Stop yes, like yes, <laughs> yes!
1: But, you know, the, and, and I think bringing in a lot of the people that wouldn't, like you said, just wouldn't normally come in or bother to get a sub, you know, or, or not bother, but, you know, have to go through getting a sub to come in or just – just let me go click on this and i can have my coffee and you know we can do the workshop yes be done in an hour i can do this yes right yes right. i Makes think it so. doable for a lot of teachers that might not have thought it was doable
2: right i think so too mm-hmm.
0: well dr Hulon, thank you so much for being with us today
1: you have been an amazing guest. Your energy and her enthusiasm, isn't she just a bright spot?
0: <laughs> well, it all goes back. It's that kindergarten thing. It's that kindergarten <laughs> thing. And then it's getting getting that to kindergarten w- thing. And then getting to play with toys. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. right.
1: <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, it does all go together. Right. <laughs>
2: well, I appreciate you inviting me. This uh, has been so fun. And this involved. is my first podcast, so I'm so excited to be here. Well, we'd love
1: to have you back. Yeah,
0: you did a great job.
2: Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me.
1: All right.
0: And those of you listening, be sure to join us next time as Julie and I continue to explore What's, what's next, next in Ed? Ed. Don't forget to subscribe. If you like what you heard, please rate and review this podcast so others can find us. The Next in Ed podcast is brought to you by the Mobile County Public Schools IT Department in partnership with the Department of Counseling and Instructional Sciences at the University of South Alabama, engineered by Tim VP Media Production, music by Justin Matthews, hosted by Dr. Joe Gaston and Julie Neidhart. Follow us on Twitter at Next in Ed and on Facebook. Guests on the podcast are expressing personal opinions for informational purposes only. They are not necessarily acting as official representatives for their schools, universities, organizations, or places of employment. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.